discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are welcome to our um, MC service um, this evening. It's a blessing to be with you. I trust you are, you, you are being blessed already. Uh, I want to share a few things with you in the next few minutes, which I believe will be a blessing to you. And I want us to start off with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the word. Father, thank you for your children. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who brings clarity to your word. Thank you for great spiritual understanding and spiritual wisdom as we hear your word. Thank you that your word takes absolute control of our lives and takes us to the place of design for us to be, even in Jesus' name. Thank you for the ministry of your word and the ministry of your spirit that are functioning mightily in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, um, it's good to be with you once again, like I said. I started sharing on a, on a cell system uh, on Sunday, shared a little bit around, you know, along that line. And today I want to just take you a step further. Like I mentioned, for the next six weeks, we are going to be talking about, you know, the cell system, which I believe will really be a great blessing to you. So today I want, to, I want us to um, consider this particular subject, okay? The Great Commission is to all, to all Christians. The Great Commission is to all Christians. This is what I'm talking about this evening. You know, most, most Christians feel that um, Jesus was talking to the disciples, only the 12 disciples, when he spoke in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. A lot of people feel that um, the Great Commission is not for all. The few is for the, is for the pastors. It's for the evangelists, it's for the pastors, it's for the preachers. So there are children of God. On Sunday, I was mentioning to you, there are, there are people who uh, want to identify churches that uh, allow the church members to just sit comfortably and be happy and just be there, you know, just warm the pews. That's, that's what a number of children of uh, Christians look for such churches. I mean, someone can be in a church where everything, everything is fine, nobody, everything is okay, and they are driving you to get involved in the work of God and, you know, do something for the Lord. And then it's like, oh, they are worrying me too much. What kind of a church is this? I want to get out. And I want to get to a place where uh, you go on a Sunday morning, you go and sit down, you enjoy yourself, and then you leave and then you are out uh, for one weekend and you come back on a Sunday. Just enjoy the sermon. You're encouraged. You have spoken too nicely and then you go out. That, that is not Christianity. That is not what Jesus called us for. Every child of God has been called. I mean, what is, what is the purpose of your new birth if you are just to hear and sit and just be there? That is, not, that is not what Jesus... Jesus has a purpose. God has a purpose. There's a reason why God got you born again. 
He didn't get you born again for yourself. He got you born again for he for himself. You see, he has a reason for dying on the cross of Calvary for you. And he has a reason for giving you grace to receive him as your Lord and personal Savior. Remember, you received him as your Lord and personal Savior. So now that you're born again, there's, there's a great commission. There's something that, there's a plan. There's a purpose. There's a reason for your existence. And your prosperity, your health, your blessing, your, your glory is dependent on you buying into what he's doing. You getting involved with what he's doing. It's so important. Every child of God must get involved in, in the ministry because every child of God is called into the ministry. That's what I want you to understand. Every child of God. It's not for pastors. It's for every child of God. Okay? If you read in Matthew chapter 20, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. On the basis of this power, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, this instruction, this is called the Great Commission. And this is for every child of God. Every child of God. Every child of God is given the ministry of reconciliation. Immediately you get born again, God gives you this particular ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the whole world to him. Or bring his word to everybody, getting people born again, that is leading them to Christ and training them and raising them in the kingdom of God, making sure they are staying in the house of God. Someone must be in the kingdom of God because of you. Every child of God. It's not for, it's not for pastors. It's for every child of God. And there are so many scriptures. The word of God is replete with so many scriptures along these lines. Okay? If you read in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you see how God talks about the born-again experience and immediately links it to our responsibility as Christians. So it's a responsibility that's given to everybody. As soon as you are born again, he gives it to you. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. For what purpose? And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's read the message. I think the message version will help us a little bit more. It says, all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Now, this one sees it in a, in a, in a certain way, like as though we are supposed to reconcile, uh, to settle relationship with each other. That's not what he's talking about. It's actually something bigger. But I wanted, to, I wanted you to see the fact that he's called us He's called us. Look at verse 19. Hopefully verse 19 will bring it out a, bit, a little bit more. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. He's giving us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. As soon as you get born again, he gives you that responsibility. Let's read the, the Amplified from verse 18 into verse 19. He says, but all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. He says he, he wants us to aim to bring others into harmony with him. He's giving us the ministry of reconciliation. Every child of God, as soon as you are born again, 
You remember verse 18, verse 17 talks about the born again experience. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, as soon as you come in, he gives you the word, the ministry of reconciliation, and gives you the word of reconciliation. Verse 19 in the Amplified. Look at verse 19 in the Amplified. So he's showing you what message is given to us. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. Have you seen it? He's giving us the message of reconciliation, the word that King James calls it, the word of reconciliation. So we have the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation to bring others to Christ. He's called us to bring others to Christ, and he has given us the word that we speak to bring others to Christ. This is the purpose of your new birth. This is the, this is the reason why you're born again. You're not born again to have plenty of money. You are not born again to, for your business to work. You don't need God for, you don't need Jesus Christ for your business to work. You don't need God for prosperity. You don't. He gives prosperity, but that is not the primary reason for the new birth. It is a side dish. It's not the main dish. If you go for the main dish, you will get all the side dish. That is why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it shows us the true, the real way of real prosperity. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things that everybody else is looking for shall be added to you. Seek his kingdom first. What is, what's, how do you seek his kingdom? By doing the ministry of reconciliation. That's what you do. You bring others to him. You bring others to him. You remember, you made him the Lord of your life. What that means is that everything he says you're going to do now. That's, you've come into a place of obedience. That's who you are as a child of God. I've been sent of God. I've been commissioned of him to reconcile others. That's you. To reconcile others to Christ. And I'll fulfill my ministry. I'll fulfill my, my, the purposes of God for my life. Hallelujah. Yes, every child of God. And I'm glad you are listening. I know that as you're, as you're hearing, the Lord himself is working on your heart and helping you come into knowledge concerning this all-important um, ministry that you have. All of us have it. Every child of God has it. To reconcile all men. You know, the idea that um, the ministry is for pastors and teachers and prophets is an idea that has been injected into the body of Christ or into the church by Satan himself to deny the children of God from doing what God wants them to do and denying them of their reward. The devil's desire is for you to come to heaven without any reward, gaining no reward. That's his desire for your life. He wants you to come, go to heaven and not have anything to show for, what, for your life here on earth. That's what he wants. If you read in the Bible, you see it. You see it. It's called the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And I want to show it to you this evening. If you read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, you see it. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. So this is, this is very serious. You know, if you read on, you see how Jesus spoke about the fact that he hates this particular thing. Why does he hate it? He hates it because it denies his children of the blessings that he has called them for, both here on earth and there in heaven. On earth, in speaking in earthly terms, when you do what he wants you to do, he says that, 
He will give you what every other person is seeking. That's what I read to you in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, and all these things that the Gentiles are looking for, the Gentiles are looking for what they wear, what they eat, what they'll be covered with, you know, and all of those things. But then he says, your heavenly father, knoweth that you have, knowledge, you have need of these things. But instead of going after these things, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Make Jesus first in your life. Make Jesus and his kingdom and his purpose and his word first in your life. If you make him first in your life, everything that everybody is looking for will be added to you. It will be added to you. You wouldn't have to ask for some things. It will be added to you. You see all the, all the prayers we pray in, in, in churches. You know, most of the time you see people praying, Father, give me a car. Give me a house. Give me, uh, give me a child. Give me this. Give me that. All those things are tied into the ministry of reconciliation. Getting people born again and raising others. It's all tied in that. that. All the blessings are tied in that. If you will do that one thing, it's like killing so many birds with one stone. If you focus on that and, for, and give your life to doing what God wants you to do, you'd be surprised. You know, Jesus died so that those of us who are alive will not live for ourselves, but will live for him who died and rose again. Why did he die? He died so that you can take his message, you can be born again, and take his message all around the world. And that's what we are doing. That's what we are doing as a church, as a ministry. We are taking his message all around the world. And I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. I have to do it with you. Because he has called you. My job is to educate you so that we can all do the work together. Your neighbor will not be born again by hearing me. They need to hear your voice. You have a voice. God has given you a voice, a unique voice that will bring changes to many lives. Yeah, be confident, be bold. Always encourage yourself with the fact that you are being called by God. You have. God has called you. You don't need a special sign from heaven. The word of God is showing you. You don't need a burning bush experience. You don't need a wild dream to know that you are called. Every one of us is called. Look at Ephesians. We'll go back to what we wanted to read in Revelations. But look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He's showing you why he gave these people. He says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the purpose of perfecting the saints. So we are here. I'm here in your life to perfect you. What does it mean to perfect? The word perfect is the word uh, 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 catatismus. It means to fully equip do you see? For the perfecting of the saints, for the full equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? You are the saints. You are a saint. As far as the word of God is concerned, you are a saint. We are all called as saints. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. shows. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, verse 2, which he had promised, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Verse 4, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Verse 6, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Next verse. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, then it says called to be saints. You see that the word to be is in brackets, meaning that it's actually not supposed to be there. 
if you are reading the Bible and you see certain things in brackets, in square brackets, they are letting you know that the translators are the ones who put it there. So this is how it's supposed to read. To all, yes, I'm writing to all, the, all that be in Rome, beloved of God. You are the beloved of God, first of all. Then he says, called saints. You are all called saints. Everyone is called as a saint. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is a saint? A saint is one who is separated unto God. Your new birth sanctifies you to God. I don't know if you are getting it. Your new birth sanctifies and separates you to God. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verse 9, you see it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. It says, Know you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Next verse. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then it says, And such were some of you. This is how you were before. It says, And such were. That's past tense. You were like this before. But now... It says, but you are washed, but you are sanctified. Hallelujah. But you are washed now, you are sanctified now, but you are justified now in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So you are the sanctified of God. You have been set apart unto God. And being set apart unto God or being sanctified makes you a saint. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 also says it. There are so many places. Almost all Paul's writings opens up, you know, with greetings to the church, the people in the church, and he always calls them saints. So you were saints. You may not look like it, but you are saint. Tell the closest neighbor by you that you are saint. If you don't have a neighbor by you, you can say to yourself, I'm a saint. Okay, First Corinthians 1 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustain is our brother. Verse 2. Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. I've seen it. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints with all that is in every place, all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So brothers and sisters, you are saints. You are saints. You are sanctified unto our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that makes you a saint. So he says he sent the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and all these wonderful people, the men of God, have a purpose of perfecting the saints or fully equipping the saints with what? With knowledge. Like I'm doing now, I'm teaching you the word of God. I'm giving you the knowledge of God's word to know what you have become, to know that you have been chosen of God. You have been called of God. It is true. It is true. It's the truth of God's word. John chapter 15, verse 16, says that you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, brother, you ordained, sister, you ordained of God. He has chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. He wants your life to bring forth fruits to him. Not fruits of any, of any kind, but fruits of new, new, new births, fruits of souls. Hallelujah. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Then he says, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. So whatever you ask of the Father, he will give it to you, okay, because you are bearing fruits. So your, your, the, the, the results you have in your life, the, the, the level to which the Father answers your prayers is dependent on the fruits that you are producing in this kingdom. Hallelujah. It's the truth of God's word. We are sent into your life to educate you, to train you, to raise you, to do his work. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4, 
verse 12. Let's read it in the Amplified. It makes more sense in the Amplified. His intention for giving us pastors, prophets, and all of that was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, he's talking about you and me, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, that is the church. Our job is to minister toward building up Christ's body, that is the church. Next verse. That it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith. Then it goes on and on and on and on. But that is, that is his purpose. He has a purpose. Go back to the stall. I see Christ's purpose. Christ has a purpose. Jesus has a purpose. God has a purpose. His intention was the perfecting full, the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. So I'm called. I'm chosen. Say to yourself, I'm called. I'm chosen to build up the body of Christ, to bring many people into the body of Christ, and to establish them in the body of Christ. Yes, that is what we are called for. He loved the church so much, he gave his life for it. Jesus loved the church so much, he gave his life for it. He gave his life for you and I. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read verse 25. Husbands, love your wife. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Are you seeing it? Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church, he so loved the church, he gave himself for it. That's what he's expecting of, of us. He wants us to also love the church so much that we'll give our lives for the church. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constrained us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Who is he who died for us and rose again? Jesus Christ. He says he died so that we will not henceforth live unto ourselves. So don't, don't become a selfish Christian who lives for himself. All you think about is your house, your car, your children, your family, your this, your that. Every time is you. It's not supposed to be like that. Refuse to be like that. I refuse to think like that. I refuse to behave like that. I refuse to let my prayer life only be about me. No, there's something higher, bigger than our world, our small world. There's a bigger world God has called us to. You see, we will not win the whole world by focusing on ourselves or focusing on our world. We can only win the whole world when we all focus on what God wants us to focus on, which is to bring others, to reconcile others to Him. It is our responsibility. If we shake it, we are shaking a great responsibility. A great responsibility. Remember, the cars will not follow you out of this world. Always remember that. The houses will not follow you out of this world. Always remember that. Cars are good. Houses are good. All the other things are wonderful. But they will not follow you out of this world. Revelation chapter 13 verse 14. Let us know. Look at Revelation 13 14. Sorry, 14 13. Revelation 14 13. Revelation 14, 36, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, say the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. It is only your works in the kingdom of God that will follow you. Your works in the kingdom of God is what will follow you. Your work of, of love, your labor of love, is because of your love for the Lord. Why am I doing the things I'm doing? It's not because I want to have a big church and have so many people serve me. No, that is not why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm doing because I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love Jesus for myself. And because I love him, I do, if you love somebody, you do what the person likes. Yeah. 
I do what he likes because I love him. Your labor of love, your labor for the Lord is what will follow you. That is the only thing that will follow you. Okay? That's the only thing that will follow you. Look at Hebrews chapter, chapter 6, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. It's your work and labor of love. Your work and labor of love is what will follow you. Turning many to righteousness is what will follow you. If you read in Daniel chapter 12, look at Daniel chapter 12. Let's read from verse 2 into verse 3. It says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. You don't want to be risen from the dead to everlasting shame and contempt. It says, Some will be risen to, to life with, unto everlasting life, okay, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as a brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So you shine as a star forever and ever in heaven. You get your reward here on earth. And you get your reward there in heaven. And this is what the devil doesn't want. He doesn't want you to gain any rewards. He doesn't want you to gain any results. Yeah, the devil doesn't want you to. He doesn't want you to get these things. Now what does it mean to be wise? Look at this. It says, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. What does it mean to be wise? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And it says, and he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. So those who win souls, he says, they are wise. And they shall shine as the, the brightness of the firmament. The devil knows it, so he doesn't want you to. He doesn't want you to be engaged in it in any way, in any form. He will give you excuses. He will give you reasons why you should not get involved in the work of the Lord, in the work of the ministry, in the work of reconciling men to the Lord, in the work of establishing somebody in the house of God over a year, over two years. I mean, doing something, he wouldn't want you to. But you must let him know, I'm going to do it, no matter what. You can't let anything prevent me from doing what I'm supposed to do. Hallelujah. Because he doesn't want the church to do what it is, its primary assignment, he brought this idea into the, into the church. It's called Nicolatanism. And it's the idea of separating clergy from laity, or saying that these are the pastors, they are the ones who are supposed to do the work, and we are the laymen. We are not supposed to do anything. Okay? And that's what I wanted to show you. Let me show you that, and then we'll close for today. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. I don't know if you're enjoying what I'm sharing with you. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Nevertheless, I have someone against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Next verse. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. So they were doing some things. He calls it the first works. It says, Repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Now all these things have powerful meanings, but not today. Next verse, six. Then it says, But this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Jesus says, I hate this thing. Can you imagine Jesus saying he hates something? Jesus is full of love, but then he says, I hate this thing. He says, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, in this particular church, this is the church of Ephesus. Jesus wrote the seven churches in Revelations. Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, 
um, Pergamos, Laodicea, um, 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 what's there? There's two others, you know, Philadelphia. Have I mentioned Philadelphia already? Philadelphia and then Thyatira, I think. Yes, you know, he he wrote to all these seven churches, okay, and he said various things to them. Now historians say that there, it's, it's, there's a chronology to it. If you look at it very carefully, you see the various stages of the church since its inception. You know, he wrote to all of them at different times. Now, to the church of Ephesus, he said that you guys hate this deed. It was a deed. It was just a, a deed. A deed is a, is a doing. Eh? It's just a doing. It's something they were doing. They were practicing. But then, by the next church, which is Pergamos, two, two, the, the following two churches, which is Pergamos, so you can look at chapter 12, Revelation chapter 2, rather, verse 12. It says, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos writes, These things seeth he which has a sharp sword with the two edges. Who is the one who has a sharp sword with the two edges? Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Out of his mouth proceeds uh, a sword with two edges. So he's the one who's talking. He's talking, he's talking about himself. He says, I know thy works. And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. So, Pergamos is the place where, where Satan's seat is. A seat represents the government of a person. Okay? There's a seat for this country. There's, there are seats in various countries. Every country has a seat where, which um, the president sits on. That is the government. That represents the government. So, he says that Satan, where this particular doctrine thrives... It's where Satan lives. He's, 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 that's where he governs from. That is where he rules from. So all the, all the Christians who believe in the, what I'm going to explain to you, Nicolaitanism, have Satan, Satan's government in their lives. It's amazing. Not Jesus' government. Jesus can have his seat with you or in you. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are also, he's also governing. Okay, He's also ruling. But then, there are Christians who have the, they are under the rulership of Satan, not under the rulership of Jesus Christ, because of what they've believed and what they have relegated their lives to. This is so important. Yes, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my, my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Next verse. But I have a few things against you, because you have there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Next verse. And so has thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So at this, in this church, it had become a doctrine. It wasn't just a deed. It had become a doctrine. It had become a teaching. Something they were practicing and teaching and practicing and teaching and practicing and teaching. Nicolaitanism is what gives birth to Balaamism. Now, what is Nicolaitanism? Or what is, what does it, what, the, what, what is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? The word Nico, Nicolaitans is from two words, Nikos and Laos. The word Nico, Nikos or Nikao, N-I-K-A-O, is, uh, is translated to conquer. The Greek is to Nikao, but then the English is to conquer. And the word Laos, L-A-L-O-A-O-S, okay, is the people. Wherever you find the word people in Greek, in the Bible, if you have the Greek, Greek uh, um, translation, if you have an internalia, if you use Esau, 
or my sword. You can easily look for KJV Plus, King James Plus, the version called King James Plus. It has all those things in there. When you click on it, when you click on the word, or when you click on the numbers around them, you can find the Greek letters, the Greek words. And if you look for any word, people, in the New Testament, which is translated in Greek, and you click the number, or you click the, 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 the word people, you will see the word Laos. What I just spelled for you, L-O-A-O-S. L-O-A-O-S, rather. Laos, it means people. Okay, to to uh, so when you put it together, Nicolaitans, Nikos Laos or Nikao Laos. When you put it together, you get this phrase: to conquer the people, or to destroy the people. To conquer or to destroy the people. So Nicolaitanism is to destroy the people. Which people? The people of God, of course. To destroy the people of God or to conquer the people of God. Now, how does Satan destroy or conquer the people of God? By letting them know and letting them think that the work of the ministry is not for everybody. So, Nicolaitanism is separating clergy and laity, bringing a sharp line between the church that the pastors are different, the evangelist prophets and all, they are different. They are the ones supposed to do the work. And then the people are supposed to go and do their, you, go and be a mason, go and be an architect, go and be a doctor, go and be a lawyer, go and be a shepherd, go and be a, a, a driver. That is enough. Just go and do that. Bring the money to the church and we will pastor you. We will do all the things you are supposed to do. That, that is Nicolaitanism. And Jesus says, I hate it. With all my heart, I hate it. It's a doctrine, it's a deed that Jesus hates. Because it was not like that before. When the church was born, everybody did the work of the ministry. They were apostles, yes. But the apostles had a mandate. That's what the scripture says. They teach the, the people to do the work of the ministry. That is, that is how it's supposed to be. That is a pattern Jesus has set. We teach that the, the pastors ought to teach the members or the children of God for them to do the work of the ministry. It's everybody's work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But then Satan brought a doctrine that no, no, let the pastors do the work. They must do the evangelism. They must do the soul winning. They must do everything. And the people should go and look for money and bring to the church. So only bring your tithe. Your tithe is good enough. Your seeds are good enough. Everything is fine. After bringing your tithe, your seeds, and bringing your money, forget about the rest. We'll do the rest. We'll preach. We'll talk to everybody in the whole world. And it's, not, it's, it's impractical. It's not, it's not possible. It's not possible. How, we can't range the, I, can't, I can't preach everywhere and lead everybody to Christ and follow up on everybody and bring everybody to church. It's not going to work. Everybody in the house of God must be involved because it's our calling. I can't do everything. Maybe I can handle 10 people or 20 people. If you're also handling five, another person is handling five or two or three. If there are, are 300 of us and we are all handling two, three or five, we can do so much. We can bring so many people and establish so many people in the house of God. That is what Jesus instituted. And then Satan brought this particular teaching. That, no, 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 don't, don't let them do anything. Let's make money out of them. So what, what was happening was, so the other side of Nicolaitanism, Nicolaitanism breeds Balaamism. Balaam is the one who received money. He was, Balaam was a prophet of God. Okay, if you read in Numbers chapter 22, 23, and 24, you see the story concerning Balaam. Even before then, you can see the story concerning Balaam. Balaam was a prophet of God who prophesied for money. 
he took money from people and prophesied to them. And that's what is happening in the body of Christ today. So you have prophets all over the place who counsel God's children and take money from them and give them direction. So if you want to meet him, you must pay. 500 cities, 1,000 cities, 2,000 cities. When you sit with him, you tell him your problem, he prays for you, and then he shows you, mix water with wine and pour it at 11, 12 a.m. in front of your house and all your problem will leave. No, that is, not, that is not Christianity. Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone, every child of God must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Every one of us must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You must be able to pray for yourself. You need to talk to Jesus for yourself. My job is to teach you how to pray and how to relate with Jesus yourself. Not to teach you to bring money to me on a personal level and, and ask me your things and then I'll show you. Okay, do this. You want to marry? If you want to marry, uh, your marriage has been hid, hidden in a certain room in your father's house. Give me $10,000 so that I go and bring your marriage for you. That is not, that is not Christianity. That is a seduction in the bo- that has been infused into the body of Christ. It's called Balaamism. And what Balaamism does is that it breeds idolatry and breeds fornication. So you see it in, in Revelation chapter 2, verse, verse uh, 14, I think. Look at Revelation 2, 14. I don't know if, if you're learning anything. It says, but I have a few things against you because you have there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. It's a doctrine too. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel? To eat things, sacrifice unto the idols, and to commit fornication. So when Balaam was taking the money and prophesying, trying to curse, he was trying to curse the children of Israel for Balak, who was a king, and it was not working. When he realized it wasn't working against the children of Israel, what he did was that he taught Balak how to get Israel to do things against God. So he told Balak, okay, I'm trying to curse them. I've taken money from them to prophesy and curse them, but it's not working. Because whenever he opened his mouth, he was blessing the children of Israel. He couldn't curse them. He was just blessing them. So he decided to teach Balak what to do to get the children of Israel against God. You see, if a third party is coming against you, it's not going to work. The devil can't come against you, but the devil can teach you, teach you to do things that will get God angry with you. And that was what he did. He, he taught Balak what to do to get God angry with the children of Israel. And what was that? He taught them to, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. God hates idolatry. That you are exchanging his glory for another. So he taught them to bring ladies, the Midianite women, to the, the camp of Israel. And when the Israelites saw them, they were so beautiful. And they started sleeping with them. So he taught them to commit fornication with the children of Israel. Which also gets people into trouble. It's like, oh, it's nothing. It's not a problem. It's a problem. And then he, through the fornication, they started eating things offered to Af- idols. They are idols. The Midianites are idols. And God got angry. When God got angry, over, was it 20? About 30,000 people died. 30,000 children died because of this particular thing that happened. Wow. Yes. So, Nicolaitanism teaches the body of Christ or teaches that everybody should sit down. The pastors will do the work. If you need anything, go to the pastors. They'll sort your problems out. They'll pray for you. They'll fast for you. They'll, they'll talk to God for you. They'll learn the word of God for you. They'll win their souls for you. They will change people's lives for you. They will do everything for you. Don't worry. All you need to do is to bring money. When you bring the money, they will do everything. It's not true. It doesn't work like that. After you have given your, your seed, you must do something for the kingdom of God. You must work with your strength, with your energy, with your time. It's so important. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
and the devil uses this. This is a seat. He uses this to deceive God's children and deny them of eternal rewards. Deny them completely of eternal rewards. Hallelujah. It wasn't like that before. Everybody did their work. Everybody did their work. I want to show you that. I want to show you that. I don't know if, you, if, if you're hearing me. I pray the word of God that I'm sharing with you will make a difference in your life today. I pray that you respond to God's word. I pray that your life will change forever through what you're hearing today. Hallelujah. It wasn't like that before. They were not separated. Everybody did their work. Acts chapter 1, verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So everybody was scattered. Then it says, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Next verse, verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and healing men and women, committed them into prison. Verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, all the church members that were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. Next verse. So all of them, everybody went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Philip was a normal guy in the church. He had been made a deacon you know, seven tables. He was a dining hall prefect in the church. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a prophet. He was, he was none of those things. But he went out and preached. And the whole city of Samaria changed and turned to the Lord because of his preaching. The apostles did not go. He was the one who went. If you look at Acts chapter 11, verse 19, you see some more. Acts eleven nineteen. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but only but unto the Jews only so they went those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word to none but to the Jews only they were preaching going from place to place preaching and preaching so you are called you are chosen you have the word of ministration reconciliation and you have the ministry of reconciliation don't let the devil deny you Jesus says I hate it I hate this doctrine I hate this deed don't let the devil get you with that don't say, oh, but um, uh, as for me, I, I, I work in a bank. You can bring the gospel to the bank. And the self-system teaches us how to do those things. So the self-system is to help all of us to be able to do something for the Lord and change lives. If as, as, as we work as lawyers, as doctors, as IT specialists, as, as agricultural, whatever, as farmers, as whatever, we can, as, a, as, as various things, whatever profession you are involved, as a student, as a student, you can do something for the Lord. Your life and your, 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 your work can be used as a tool for bringing many to the, the house of God. And that's what the self-esteem does. So we're going to be teaching you these things to help you understand the word of God. But the first thing you need to know is the fact that you have been called. You have a ministry. And that's what I've sought to bring to your knowledge today. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've learned something. God bless you so much for listening. I'll see you again on Sunday. In Jesus' name, let's pray and I'll be out of here. Father, thank you for your children once again. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you that your word is working in us. Even in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.com.
for more information. God bless you.